to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Mewitt and I am the lackadaisical LibroCube because it's been a minute since I recorded. I'm not going to lie. I'll give you a little behind the scenes action as I am wont to do from time to time. Jeez, when was the last time we recorded? I honestly, I can't remember. I took a bit of a break for, you know, it just ended up being that way. And that's the kind of nice thing about this new way of uh, recording stuff is I kind of just, you know, uh, and this is a phrase I have used many times over the course of, oh man, I got a lot of stuff to talk about. Apparently I'm just going through my show notes. Um, let flow what may is the saying that, uh, I have said more than once on this podcast and, uh, it seems to have taken root in my mind with regards to, uh, when and how to record. So, you know, there's that. Uh, yeah, got a lot of movies, got some TV, got some other stuff, D&D stuff, okay. Yeah, let's just, uh, work my way through my notes. Uh, yes, oh geez, almost a month ago I started this chain of emails. What I'll do, and uh, I think I've sort of given the gist of this, uh, I'll start an, uh, 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 email, uh, for example, this email subject line is, this is episode 606. Uh, and then just as I watch a movie, I'll throw up the link as I, you know, play a game, I'll throw that as yada, yada, yada. I want to start adding more and different and varied stuff though, which is harder to do than one would think apparently, because I'm not really doing it. Uh, all right, let's start with two and I'm going to combine them into one talk. Uh, death stalker from 1983 and death stalker 2 from 1987 yeah in the 80s we had the uh we had a boat yeah i'll call it a boat a boat of uh, uh not very good fantasy movies um some of them death stalker uh, more than Death Stalker 2, fall into the so bad it's good category i would say you know you're your conan's or is that just a good movie? Mm, I don't know. It's pretty bad. Uh, I, a, a lot of them are, are, are that. But then there's some that are just... <clears throat> you can kind of tell. It's like they didn't care. Deathstalker 2, for example. Deathstalker 2, I'm not going to talk too much about other than to give a very rare... Very rare one. Almost never one out of five. Uh, one out of five I reserved for uh, Couldn't Finish. <laughs> which is what happened. Uh, let me read the IMDA for that one first. Yeah, we're doing them in reverse order. Because, you know what? Let flow what may. Huh? Huh? Uh, in this parody of the Sword and Sorcery films, was it a parody? Hmm. Or was it just bad? A princess is deposed by an evil sorcerer. She enlists the aid of Deathstalker to battle the forces of evil, including a clone of the princess, and win back her kingdom. Uh, also, I should mention, on the note of these two movies, it's not softcore porn, <laughs> he says. Uh, there's no penetration, but there is a fair amount of boobs and, uh, you know, no dicks, no, no male butts. I don't think there was. Maybe there was. I don't really remember. Again, 
been a while since I recorded an episode. Uh, but uh, it, it's definitely got a, a, a sort of 1980s big hair sexy vibe. If, if you're into that sort of thing, which I, to be honest, am not. One thing I've realized as well, which I almost forgot to mention, uh, and one of the reasons that I turned off Deathstalker 2 is they took some of the footage from the first movie and just used that uh, <laughs> in the second movie. Yeah, like just blatantly obvious. Uh, just, uh, you know what, we got this footage, let's just inject it here, it'll kind of make sense. Save ourselves a couple of bucks. Uh, the first movie, a lone warrior nicknamed Deathstalker who gave him that nickname? Did he give it? You know what? I can guarantee he gave himself that nickname. Definitely. 100%. It's sent by a witch on a quest to find a sword, a chalice, and an amulet. Two of which are held by the wicked king and sorcerer Munkar. Uh, I think the sword was not held. Because he needed the sword to get the other ones, right? Right. This is starring Rick Hill as Deathstalker. I wonder if he ever did... I kind of don't think people in this movie ever did other movies. It was not uh, Rick Hill. Went on to... Oh, he was in Cheers. Tibor. Tibor and Cheers. Uh, Tibor. What was that episode? He was in Liar Liar. Magnum P.I. If I... I'm going to Google Tibor. Tibor Svetfak. What was he? Images... Okay, I gotta go to the Cheers wiki, which apparently exists. Tibor was a Czechoslovakian hockey player still learning... Oh! Okay. So, uh, he's a Czechoslovakian hockey player who's still learning English. He works for Lana. Uh, Lana was uh, someone that uh, Sam was, you know, with for a bit. Uh, sort of took advantage of him a, a little bit. Turned the, turned the tables. Tabled the turns, if you will. Uh, uh, yes. So Deathstalker, the first one, uh, I, I did have some enjoyment. I don't know, like three-ish, four-ish, some, some dumb fun moments, definitely. If you're into 1980s fantasy, well, you know what? I was going to say you'd like this, but you know what? If you're into 1980s fantasy, you've seen this already. So I don't know why you're listening to me talk of it, you weirdo. Moving on to 1994. Ah, another, you know what? Another genre. 90s action from 80s fantasy to 90s action what's next uh uh aughts sci-fi yes yes it will be uh i guess this is kind of sci-fi as well time cop from 1994 uh yeah what's this movie about you might ask well it's about a cop who travels in time Mm. they killed his wife 10 years ago there's still time to save her. Wait a second. That doesn't make sense unless time travel is involved, which it is. Max Walker. And if, <laughs> if I could read, that would have been better. Max Walker, an officer for a security agency that regulates time travel, must fend for his life against a shady politician who's intent on changing to the past to control the future. <laughs> Ron Silver. Playing the shitty politician to perfection. Very, very good. Uh, the titular <laughs> Time Cop, uh, played, of course, by none other than Jean-Claude Van Damme. Are you getting some uh, uh, shots of his butt as he do, does the splits? Yes. 
Yes, you are. A lot of male butt talk in this one, apparently. Uh, we've got uh, Mia Sarah, who you may recognize as Sloan from Ferris Bueller's Day Off as the uh, uh, the titular time cop's wife. <laughs> uh, the idea, a couple more familiar faces. It is a 90s action movie. Four out of five. I enjoyed it. Um, have sort of uh, had uh, my uh, aunt and uncle over to watch this. <laughs> Which kind of sounds weird. Had my aunt and uncle over to watch Time Cop the other day. Yeah, we uh, we do uh, 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 occasional movie nights, and I've sort of come to the conclusion somewhat recently, and this took me probably way too long, that movie nights are best with not good movies. Movies where you can, you know, sit and make fun of it a bit. Which is, you know, that's not a revelation at all. It should have been blatantly obvious, and is too many. Uh, I just didn't click into it for some reason, and that's disappointing. But, uh, you know, I got it now. I got it now. Uh, Alright, moving on from Time Cop to The Matrix Quadrology? Is that what it is when it's for? Yeah. Uh, was somewhat recently my birthday, and uh, quite often on that day, I will use it as an opportunity to force the missus to watch a movie. <laughs> uh, and you know, I don't make make her watch you know things I know she will hate. It's just I make her watch things that I have difficulty convincing her she may like. Yeah, that, that's actually a very good way to put it. Uh, in this case, a movie somehow, some way, despite being uh, alive in 1999, she never saw The Matrix. What? Now it's interesting. I and I gave her like a little quiz beforehand just to see. Uh, a, a movie such as this, just so embedded in the cultural zeitgeist, she sort of knew uh, the gist of it, which, you know, that makes sense. You hear enough of it. But I, but I wanted her to, you know, see the first one. I'm not going to make her watch... I'm not, I'm not a maniac, okay? Despite what you might think. I'm not a maniac. I'm not going to make her watch any of the other ones. I just wanted her to see the first one. I feel like it's... I would put it on my list of movies everyone should see. Even if you don't like, if you don't like sci-fi, yeah. Even if you don't like sci-fi, I, I feel like there's enough interesting ideas to uh, 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 sort of get your mind looking at things in different ways. Yeah, why not? Uh, if you don't know about the Matrix, well, maybe you're in it. Uh, when a beautiful stranger, le- yeah, I'm curious what the IMDb says actually. When a beautiful stranger leads computer hacker Neo to a a forbidding underworld. Hmm. He discovers the shocking truth. The life he knows is an elaborate deception of an evil cyber intelligence. Did I say evil? I think I did. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I really want to talk about necessarily all the matrix movies. (laughs) Let's just have a brief look. Uh, you know, you got Joey pants in this one. That's good. Although he's not. Uh, you know, Lawrence, Lawrence Fishburne, which uh, I think, why is that interesting? I think because we were going to watch uh, Apocalypse Now instead and decided to watch this. Because uh, Apocalypse Now was uh, his first uh, movie, I do believe. Um, 
she has seen Apocalypse Now and, and you know, kind of likes it a little bit. Uh, that's just one of my favorite movies. So sometimes, you know, on your birthday, you watch one of your favorite movies. Uh, duh. Uh, Rating-wise for The Matrix, the first one, I go... Jeez, you know what's interesting? I was going to say 5 out of 5. But I don't know if it holds up as much. I think I'm going to have to uh, bump it down to a 4. It's just there's a lot of... And maybe it's just now that they've become sort of tropey and the pacing is a little... Like, uh, so many fight scenes. <laughs> uh, which, while interesting, it's just there's too many. There's, there's too much of it, I felt like. And, and I find moments of, although very cool fight scenes, there's sort of a limit to them. Maybe it's also the fact that... And I don't know if I've ever done this before. Uh, you know what, let me check... Yeah, I'm going to Google, uh, check my Gmail. I'm going to check the Matrix, see the last time I watched this, see if it'll pop up. I was going to say, I don't know if I've ever watched these, like, not that I watched them back to back to back, but I watched them within a couple, like, within two, one or two weeks, I watched all four of the movies. Uh, so let me go into my Gmail, and in quotes, put the Matrix. Let's see if that ever comes up on a podcast. Oh, shit. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, it comes up in emails, but uh, probably because I used to drive a Matrix. I'm seeing <laughs> one about car payments here. Uh, Toyota Makers. But it never comes up in a podcast. So I haven't watched these since uh, 2012 then. That's what that probably means. There was that brief moment post uh, episode 300 where I took a bit of a hiatus. Uh, when I was <clears throat> between houses and jobs, <laughs> not for, uh, not for, uh, just coincidentally between houses and jobs, not because I lost a job and lost a house. It's yeah, I probably talked about it back then. Anyways, uh, yeah. So the first one I'll go for the second one, matrix reloaded freedom fighters, mm -hmm. Neo Trinity and Morpheus. Uh, on the note of Morpheus, how do those glasses stay on? Continue to lead the revolt against the machine army, unleashing their arsenal of extraordinary skills and weaponry against the systematic forces of repression and exploitation. Wow, that's, you know, really poetic, that uh, description of a fine movie. Yeah, it just continues the story, and uh, famously, and I did sort of notice it here, the, I don't want to say the quality, but just the feel of them got a little, I don't know, like, uh, I can't be alone on this, that by the end of it, I was caring less and less. Yeah, is that what it is? Is it we become accustomed to the strangenesses, perhaps? And as they lose their sort of luster of newness, uh, uh, we, we sort of find... Eh, or are they just worse movies? I don't know. It could be both. It could be neither. Maybe they're better. Uh, the Matrix Reloaded. Yeah, you know, I'd give a three. Matrix Revolutions... The human city of Zion defends itself against the massive invasion uh, of the machines as Neo fights to end the war at another front while also opposing the rogue Agent Smith. I actually liked, uh, this one is usually the most hated, I would say. And hated, of course, is a strong word. Can you really hate anything, like a movie, I mean? Uh, 
I suppose like if it gives you trauma somehow it could, but but you know, save your hate for fucking Russia invaded in U- Ukraine, for example. Save your hate for that. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, as I was saying, uh, <laughs> a bit of a tangent there. I actually like uh, this one just for the reason of the quote-unquote massive invasion. Yeah, I, I do like that idea. The it's something I was always enjoy in fantasy novels of a a sort of a city besieged. Um, I wish maybe they focused on that a little bit more. Uh, if anything. Yeah, uh, so I'd probably go a little above three for Matrix Revolutions. Yeah, take that. Lastly, and the reason I decided I run- wanted to rewatch these from 2021, The Matrix Resurrections. Oh. Return to a world of two realities. One, everyday life. The other, what lies behind it. To find out if his reality is a construct... To truly know himself, Mr. Anderson will have to choose to follow the White Rabbit once more. Yeah, so, uh, return to the Matrix, I suppose. They did, I will say, interesting things. Yeah. Uh, video gaminess uh, was a sort of cool in, I would say, to this uh, revisit. And... It was fine. I I, I enjoyed it. Uh, uh, you got uh, Priyanka Chopra. I'm a fan. Christina Ricci's in there for a little bit. Uh, Morpheus played by a new actor who I enjoyed. Uh, Yaha Abdul-Mateen II. Wow, that's a handful and I love it. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss returns. Keanu Reeves, of course. Jonathan Groff, he was good as a new Mr. Smith. I kind of... Could they not... What was the reasoning? Yeah, this is how I will phrase this. What was the reasoning for not uh, using uh, uh, the old, I guess, aging? Yeah, I guess that's probably it. Uh, Morpheus. Excuse me. Uh, 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 Lawrence Fishburne and uh, the guy who played the original Mr. Smith. I guess just aging. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith in there, and they did age her up, you know, whatever, 100 years or however long it had been, uh, which was interesting to see. Uh, Yeah. Was it a good movie? I don't think so. Uh, Kano's great in everything, though. Like, it was fun to see him. (laughs) One interesting thing is, uh, and I don't know if it's just the look, excuse me, necessarily, or the vibe, or just whatever it is, but it's definitely some John Wick vibes uh, throughout this, right? Is that that a crazy thought? I don't think it is. Uh, All right, let's move on to... Oh, I closed all my... Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's... Should I just get to all the movies? Yeah, let's get all the movies out of the way, and then we'll hop into other stuff. Uh, moving on to the final film that we're going to talk about, which is The Way Back from 2010. Oh, way back in 2010. <laughs> uh, I forget why we decided to watch this. I think it just looked interesting. Inspired by real events. Yeah, okay. I enjoy that. Oh, you know what? <coughs> Excuse me. Looked like, and was to some degree, uh, like it had a good Sunday movie vibes. Which, uh, yeah, I suppose it did. 
Now, let me read the Imda. Uh, Siberian gulag escapees travel 4,000 miles by foot to freedom in India. Now, Siberia to India, that's a long goddamn way. Uh, uh, we've got uh, uh, Jim Sturgis. He's sort of the main dude, I suppose. Uh, Ed Harris, Colin Farrell. Uh, oh, God. I don't know if I've ever heard her name said out loud. Should I just try it and see what happens? Her last name's Ronan. Sauris. Okay, you know what? Let's do this. Search it. How do you pronounce a name? Shersha. Sersha. I would not have guessed that. Sersha is pronounced... S-U-R-S-H-A. Losing my voice a little bit. Mm-hmm. The, the actress is aware of the difficulty her name creates for people, and she sympathizes with those who fumble over it. Oh, thank you, Sersha. It's very nice of you. I appreciate your understanding in this trying time. Uh, yeah, so it's... really. Oh, Colin Farrell's in there. Uh, he plays like a sort of a, a, a Russian mafia guy. Uh, trapped in the gulag the time in the gulag and how they escaped was not too too much spent on that a lot of it was the journey which uh, I actually think I appreciate do I yeah I do um, it has come up uh, not dissimilar to uh, enjoying a uh, a siege of a castle in a fantasy I also like in a fantasy, a journey, a quest, a traveling from point A to point B with cool shit happening along the way, um, which is what this does. Uh, you know, they're they're dealing with uh, cold, they're dealing with heat. Uh, the, yeah, the desert parts felt. <laughs> you know, it's a, a sign that this was uh, uh, at the very least the desert parts were good. Was after watching it, I did legit feel thirsty. So you know, that's something I suppose. Uh, yeah, Ed Harris was great. Rating wise, I'd go like a solid four. Yeah, I, I did uh, I did enjoy it. And you know, it's got that uh, triumph of the human spirit to vibe that we all so much enjoy. Yes? Nineteen oh yeah, uh let's nineteen thirty nine, three men attempt to flee communist Russia escaping a Siberian gulag, which that in itself Jesus. The movie tells her story and that of four others who escaped with them and a teenage girl who joins them in their flight. The group's natural leader, a Pole condemned by accusations secured by torturing his wife, spent much of his youth outdoors and knows how to live in the wild. Yeah, that was explained in the film, which, you know, is pretty good, if that sounds appealing. Moving on to, oh yeah, Cataclysm, Dark Days Ahead. Mm. Uh, yeah, I feel like maybe I've mentioned this a little bit in the last handful of episodes, but it is a video game. And it falls under an interesting category that I have sort of created in my mind, that I've, I've seen a little bit more lately than I have in the past, I feel like, which is games that... If you want to play, you're going to have to do a little work. Uh, uh, Dwarf Fortress, you know, that is one that definitely falls in the category. Minecraft used to actually be like that. Less so now, obviously. Um, it's free, 
So, you know, that's something. It's uh, open sourced is a term you might use. And so you can go to their site, uh, if, uh, Cataclysm, Dark Days Ahead. If you just Google that, you can find it. Um, but you're also going to need other things. Now, they've made it easier, apparently, uh, uh, compared to what it used to be. Because um, you need things like texture packets, sound, sound files. Like, uh, you really need to sort of be somewhat decent at computers in order to get this thing to work, especially if you have done if I have done and uh, have uh, involved mods as well. Uh, now, what is this game? Jesus, I kind of knew. One of the mods uh, I'm playing is called uh, Magicalism as well, which sort of fundamentally changes the game to something almost totally different. Uh, but at its core, Cataclysm Dark Days Ahead is a... <laughs> zombie survival game where you are uh, you create a character in a world that is sort of ever evolving you have to worry about things like your f uh, food your your sorry your we'll say it this way your hunger your thirst your temperature um there are zombies which over time will evolve um, and it's got such levels of system complexity that it's just almost like the Matrix. Oh, uh, now it doesn't look good. <laughs> In fact, you could see some of the, uh, you could play it without the texture packets and it's uh, something called ASCII, which is basically just like, uh, for example, if you see a zombie, uh, all you're going to see on the screen is the letter Z that can sort of move around. Now that letter Z is going to have stats and it's going to try to kill you. Uh, but all you will see is that letter Z sort of moving around. Um, now the texture packets add, you know, some visuals to that where you'll see like a, a, a tiny little, uh, a zombie, uh, creature that'll come at you. But even then the visuals are not, you know, they're not going to blow your mind away, but that's because that's not what this game is for. It's more a example of uh, interconnected systems to, that create a sort of living, breathing world where I was going to say anything can be done. And while that's not factually accurate, the things that you can do are as close to... Uh, 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 you know, the real worlds in many cases, uh, as you can get, for example, let me throw out some examples. Um, you know, if you have uh, just, uh, just thinking on a very basic, uh, uh, cooking level, uh, if I've got bread and I've got, you know, some sliced bologna, I can eat that bread. I can eat that sliced bologna and, or I could make them into a sandwich. If I got some mustard, I could put that on, you know, that's just a very basic, dumb thing that I'm mentioning. Um, if, uh, I have, uh, there, there's a shit ton of deep crafting. Uh, if I have, uh, I haven't got too much into the crafting, so I don't know an example. If I have a, okay, here's one that I'm going to make up, although maybe you can do it. If I have a tin can and some string, I can make a, uh, a, you know, one of those tin can string phone things. Oh God. If you don't know what that is, I sound insane. Uh, the other thing is uh, a lot of reading involved. So 
I'm going to read a book that will make me better at cooking and then we'll unlock new recipes to make my sandwich better. The sandwich, which, by the way, not only uh, uh, gives me hunger, uh, uh, relieves my hunger, but if I make it well or if it's a, a, a nice thing, will give me joy, uh, joy that I should pay attention to because if it gets really low and I get sad, then, uh, my stats, uh, can, can lower everything, everything can sort of affect your stats. Uh, what you're carrying will affect your, uh, your balance and your encumbrance and how well you are able to fight. For example, if I have on two backpacks, you know, it's not going to be great when I'm swinging, uh, a fire axe, for example, and all these things are sort of interconnected and, and playing off one another in this massive, I don't know if there is an end to the map or if it just keeps generating and generating this randomly generated world filled with, uh, you know, houses, of course, apartment buildings, uh, since I'm playing magicalism, uh, wizard towers, uh, uh, you've got schools, you've got, uh, hospitals, strip club, uh, friggin', uh, uh, hardware store. It's like a real actual world that you are trying to survive the zombie apocalypse. Now, uh, as I mentioned, I'm, uh, playing a mod called magicalism, which adds things like magic. So, you know, I'm, I'm throwing around fireballs and, uh, uh teleporting through walls and, 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 and things like that. So you have to pay attention to your mana. And although I usually uh, cheat with that and sort of give myself unlimited mana because, you know, I like to feel powerful. I like to feel like a powerful wizard in this post-apocalyptic zombie, uh, <laughs> wasteland. Uh, the, the cool thing about magicalism as well, which, uh, it adds a lot of, uh, different baddies. So you got some owl bears, uh, fought a leprechaun the other day. Oh, a lot of, and I think this has something to do with that it's free and sort of open source. A lot of uh, 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 pop culture references. So the other day, I'm uh, traveling in the uh, subway underground, uh, you know, just sort of exploring and thinking maybe that's a safer way to get to, to get around. And I come across, and I shit you not, a goddamn chud, a chud. A cannibalistic human underground dweller, which is from <laughs> what here is Chud from Chud, which is a movie from 1984. That's <laughs> how do you, <laughs> uh, yeah, a cult classic, you would say, and somehow, some way, that finds itself into this game, this incredible game. Uh, I do plan, uh, I've, I've just got to finish up some uh, Minecraft. Uh, long play the librarian recording, which, uh, I don't know if I'm half done or a third done, but I'm uh, chugging along on that. Uh, and then the game I'm going to play after is this. So I'm going to role play my way as the librarian through some sort of, will I just play it? Will I try to find a goal of some sort? I'm not quite sure yet how I'm going to play it. Uh, but you know, I'll, I'll probably just play it by ear. Hmm. Uh, so I recommend if somehow, some way, oh, uh, and, and I wanted to throw out a thanks to, uh, Rikon Roleplays, which is, uh, how I've watched a lot of, uh, and sort of figured the game out. It's this guy, uh, the series I watched, uh, I moved on to another one, but so far my favorite one has been a series he did call, uh, with a character where he's playing this game. Uh, the character's name is Luna, um, 
that was interesting as well because, and he says it in the first episode and, you know, it's sort of obvious to this game if you've played it at all that uh, eventually this character dies. <laughs> and it was interesting because, you know, spent... Uh, how many episodes was it? It was like 30 or 50. I, for, I honestly forget how many episodes it was, uh, you know, hour long episodes playing with this character, building her up, giving her these cool spells and abilities, making her stronger, faster, smarter, more perceptive, uh, uh, surviving for, you know, days and days in the zombie apocalypse. And then eventually steps on a landmine <laughs> and dies. And then the series ends. A uh, little anticlimactic, which is a word I normally have trouble with uh, and normally say slower than that because I know I have trouble with, but, uh, you know, I feel like I did okay there. Moving on to uh, Sam Regal's Critical Role Ads. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah th you got the Nordiverse. That is just a fascinating thing. I wonder if you... If I were to Google the Nordiverse, is there like a Nordiverse wiki? I'm going to Google Nordiverse wiki. Oh my God. Well, it's on the Critical Role wiki. <laughs> but there is a page, which is fucking long. Holy shit. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty sizable uh, uh, wiki entry for the Nordiverse. Anyways, uh, I didn't want to talk about the Nordiverse, uh, just to mention it in passing of his uh, in, in, insane yeah, uh, skill at making uh, ads interesting. Uh, through the use of being insane. <laughs> uh, so he just did a, a somewhat, uh, not last one, but the one before. Ah, it doesn't matter. From my perspective, a somewhat recent one, where he did an ad for Skillshare that got so dark <laughs> that uh, I, I feel like maybe, just maybe, I could sense the awkwardness of the uh, cast reacting to the darkness of it. Uh, and it was a fucking awkward delight, and I loved it. I loved it. Uh, to the degree that I sent uh, myself a message in an email to mention it here today. Uh, okay, my note says, Also talk of Campaign 3 so far, and wonder if Campaign will mostly be in one city. Uh, interesting idea, of course, but is it sustainable in this medium? Yeah, that's an interesting question I posed to myself. <laughs> like, do I have the answer to it? Yeah, um, I, like I have heard of um, people running D&D campaigns that all take place in one city. Uh, it is possible. I, I, things of that appeal to me. I, I, I do have in my, you know, various D&D ideas notes that written down as an idea, a sort of uh, I wouldn't, I don't know if you'd call it a step further, but, uh, you know, let's say a step further and, uh, considered it as a sort of Gorman-gassed like idea. If you're familiar with that, uh, intellectual property, which is not even just a big city, just like a, a giant series of interconnected buildings. Yeah. Uh, is it Gorman-gassed? Yeah. That was an interesting, hell, that makes me want to watch Gorman-gassed. There was a, it was based on a book, which I think I read the book, but I think I also watched the series. Yeah, Gorman Gas series. Fantasy series about inhabitants of Cap Castle Gorman Gas, a sprawling, decaying, gothic structure. Yeah, maybe I, sh I should try to rewatch that. It was good. Um, 
yeah, sidetrack there. Anyways, uh, but would that work in the medium of this podcast? Uh, actual play, a critical role. Like if it if it never left the city, do you still get that sense of scope that say season two had? I don't know if you can. Uh, and they've already done some things in the city that make staying there long-term potentially not viable, like, you know, blowing up buildings, <laughs> just as an, as an example. Now, I, I, I know they already have plans to sort of, uh, uh, go out into the wilds as it were. Uh, so it, we could sort of assume from that, that it won't 100% be in the city 100% of the time, but will it be will they be fast traveling around as much as they did in season two, like going from north to south to east to west, just jumping around, like bopping around like crazy, I guess. Do they have magic users? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, ways of fast traveling and, uh, with, Oh God, I'm so bad at name with Fern. She could get to tree stride at some point. So that would do it. Yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe some of the others, but that's just one off the top of my head. Anyways, um, yeah, really digging it. Oh yeah, uh, uh, this I, <laughs> I sent myself a note uh, the day after as well. Uh, uh, also, <laughs> Sam Regal on Jordan Jesse Go. Yeah, that was interesting. Wasn't expecting that. Um, but I suppose it makes sense. Uh, Jordan Morris, fellow Jordan underscore M on. Uh, Twitter, uh, uh, knowing nerdy people like, uh, 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 Sam Regal, who's sort of in the biz of show, uh, was on the show and, uh, not surprisingly, because I never really heard him on podcasts, but you could sort of just tell, I feel like, uh, listening to podcasts and funny people enough over the years, you get a sort of sixth or more sense of uh who's funny and who would be you know in a, a good podcast guest i don't know there's just sort of a vibe and uh, not surprisingly he was also wanted to talk about uh, uh robbie leaving <sighs> for now question mark hopefully did i cry a little bit yeah it was sad to see him go um somehow some way and you know he had to have been Maybe he wasn't. I know I would have been so nervous of joining this sort of group of people. Um, this just sort of iconic group uh, trying to fit in with them. But he did. And he, I feel like he did quickly and he did smartly. Yeah, smartly he did. Uh, so it was uh, sad to see him go. I wonder if and why it happened like it did it happen just because it made sense story-wise which it ended up doing did it happen because maybe he had a job that he had to do that was it planned all along that he wouldn't be here for the entire uh, uh campaign three arc i don't know will he be back i hope i hope moving on to looks like i have a uh, television program here star trek the next generation ah yeah i haven't thrown one of these in in a while uh, but wanted to throw in this episode, uh, Data's Day. Uh, yes, a fan favorite, I do believe. Uh, I can also say that because one of my favorites, but also uh, as I've been rewatching these with the misses, she very much liked it in, as well. So, yeah, uh, Data's Day, Data, uh, 
when, when was the original air date? That's kind of fun to look at. I got the uh, uh, memory alpha open. Story by. <laughs> First aired January 7th, 1991. Wow. I'm old. Data records a Dana's life for Commander Bruce Maddox, including observation on Chief O'Brien's wedding and the mystery of a Vulcan ambassador who apparently dies in a transporter accident. Interesting. Or did she? Uh, was this the first episode with Keiko? I think it might have been. Or have we seen her before? No, I think maybe we've seen her before. Yeah, so we get to uh, Keiko and Chief, which is nice because, you know, uh, it's nice to see their wedding and how they sort of progressed as characters before moving on up to uh, Deep Space Nine. And it's just got a sort of... <sighs> so there are other examples of this where you take one character from an ensemble cast and really just take an episode to get into their mind and focus on their doings I imagine there is but also was cool to see and I, I feel like data is a is a very good choice for it just because uh his you know being an android and you know lack of emotions and seeing the world differently allows us the viewer to sort of not put ourselves in his shoes necessarily, but see how uh, his reactions differ from ours, uh, which forces us to sort of think, what would our reaction be? It wouldn't be his because he is, you know, f so foreign. Uh, so what would ours be? And maybe that pushes us into the story more. Oh, that's a thought that is interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Just like Belle Delphine. I <laughs> thought that is interesting. Oh boy! Uh, all right, moving on to another television show. Oh yeah, so this was uh, interesting. It's called uh, "Last One Laughing Canada," LOL Canada. Uh -huh. uh, it uh, was hosted by a uh, uh, Canadian uh, Jay Barishall. This is actually on the note. First episode's called Canada A, grilled cheese A. Oh, they all have A in the title. This is maybe. No, no, maybe's about it. I, I don't think this is definitely the most Canadian show I've ever watched. Now, I do want to preface. Um, well, first I'll tell you what the the gist is. Uh, uh, you get how many was it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Is it eleven or ten? Did I miscount? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, ten. That makes more sense. Nice round number. You got ten comedians, ten Canadian comedians. Uh, throw them in a room for six hours. Jesus Christ, that must have been a long day. Um, and the last one to laugh uh, gets, I think it was 100000 donated to the charity of their choice. Oh, that's nice, too. Uh, which, you know, very Canadian. Nice. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, okay, now that you have the premise, I, I do want to preface this by saying it wasn't that funny. Yeah, uh, the, 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 the comedy often mm, felt a little cringy, but the reason for that, and these are all very funny people, some more than others potentially, but, you know, uh, is I feel like the things that would make one laugh in this situation 
are not necessarily things that are just funny. Like, like, like you're not going to do your stand-up comedy routine. You're not going to uh, just tell a joke. But you're going to do weird, uh, strange, and delightful things. Yeah. Uh, another sort of uh, cringy thing is I cannot believe that Jay Bearshell laughed to the degree and severity that he did. Uh, they edited it. Whoever edited this, I don't know what you're aiming for, but a lot of the times it did not land. <laughs> Let's just say that. Now, all that being said, those are the negative things. What I did very much like about this is uh, seeing some, uh, uh, particularly uh, the older uh, generation uh, of uh, Canadian sort of comedy legends in the form of Dave Foley. Yes, love me some Dave Foley. Love me Kids in Hall in general. Uh, recently spoke of his performance, actually, that's interesting, recently spoke of his performance on Superstore and how uh, I told him how much I enjoyed that on Twitter, uh, to which he, uh, he either just, he said thank you or he heard it, I can't remember. Anyways, uh, we've got Colin Mockery. Oh, of whose line is it anyways? Fame? Famous Canadian improv-er. And we've got Tom Green. Yeah. <laughs> if you are of my age, uh, you will know of Tom Green from sort of changing television of the age when he was on television. He did more varied and strange and different things that sort of uh, molded a lot of people in such a way. Just, I didn't necessarily always enjoy it. It was, you know, weird. And weird for the sake of being weird sometimes, it felt like. But, that being said... Uh, allowed others who watched it to think, yeah, why can't I do weird shit and fucking put, throw it out there and see what happens? So, you know, you got to be thankful for that. And, uh, you know, I didn't give a spoiler warning at the top of the episode, but I will for this because I'm going to spoil who won. So, you know, it doesn't really matter who won. Uh, it's how you played the game. No, uh, <laughs> the winner was Colin Mockery. Uh, but it was down to him and Tom Green at the end. And the reason I bring this up, and the reason I spoiled it, uh, is be because seeing Tom Green and Colin Mockery, a very unlikely duo, uh, sort of sit around, shoot the shit, try to make one another laugh, uh, get drunk, <laughs> seemingly. You know, there was a bar there. Uh, and they pounded back quite a few drinks. And just sort of these two Canadian comedy legends, yeah, I think that's accurate, sit... Uh, like, I could have watched that all day. I wish they... Uh, got together and did like a podcast or, 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 or something together and something I love and the reason the whole reason I put this really other than you know just to talk about a show I watched was the fact that I can almost and it feels very very genuine that it feels like these two walked away from this and are going to be friends in real life they they're going to exchange numbers they are going to couple times a year hang out maybe go get a drink maybe uh, uh, Tom will go to Colin's cottage up in uh, uh, northern Ontario that I assume he has for some reason I don't know but I can really picture it and it's a goddamn delight just to 
see these two. Uh, 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 you know, I like it. So I talk about it. Uh, moving on to da, 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 the way back. Uh, you know what? I do have um, a note here, Star Trek, Picard, and Discovery. Uh, but I think what I'll do is move that to next episode. Because uh, uh, probably by then, at least Discovery, I think, will be over. I watched episode 12 today, and it's definitely getting getting down to the end there. Uh, very exciting. Uh, uh, Picard, also very much enjoying. Ooh, yeah. Uh, I wanted to throw one Picard prediction. Uh, and I kind of don't think this is going to happen, but it is cool. So this, uh, this is, you know... Well, this is interesting, because uh, this is a... Yeah, it's not a spoiler, because it's just a prediction. So it's like it's like Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. So I'm going to give a prediction of something I think might happen in Picard. And it will be two things at once. If it ends up being true, it's a spoiler. If it's not true... Then it's just a crazy prediction some dude had. Hmm. Right now, it will exist in that sort of never, n- nether world between the two places, neither one nor the other, Alice Schrodinger's cat. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, the prediction is uh, we have learned by episode two. So if you haven't seen that by the time this comes out, which I don't know when this comes out, so, you know, whatever. Uh, 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 They are, Picard and gang, there you go, that's not spoiling too much, are going back, or are going to try to go back. I I suppose we don't know if they do, but you know what? Obviously they're going to. uh, Are going to go back to Earth 2024. which is interesting for several reasons. First, it's three years from now. So to see their interpretation of what Earth will be like three years from now is interesting. But also, uh, because in 2024, or I should say they're also going to San Francisco. Uh, In San Francisco, in 2024, uh, in Star Trek lore, is something called the Bell Riots. It was sort of one of the, the turning points of human history, let's say. Um, now, the interesting thing about that is that in Deep Space Nine, uh, Cisco, Commander Cisco, uh, through, you know, time travel stuff, uh, ended up going back in time and basically taking the place or becoming depends on how you look at it uh yeah took the place of gabriel bell (laughs) of the titular (laughs) bell riots so somehow some way will it be possible that picard going back in time will meet captain cisco how cool would that be uh, anyways, uh, there's definitely some interconnection there. Gotta be, right? If you're picking a year and a place where this very important thing happened in Star Trek lore, it, it can't just be a coincidence. So, we'll see. We'll see. Folks, it was an episode, and I think I had fun doing it. Oh, geez, almost made an hour. I guess that's what happens when uh, I don't record for too long. Uh, I've got D&D in an hour. Uh, which I'm looking forward to playing my, uh, uh, oh shit, it's not Frog. What, what is he called? 
He's called a grung, which is like a frog frog person. Grung paladin slash rogue, which is interesting. If you if if you know, you know. If you know, you know. Folks, it's nice to be nice. To the nice. That's 